I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Today, we're going to preview the Kentucky Ole Miss football game. It's this Saturday, 4 p.m. on the SEC Network. Both teams are 0-1-1, looking for their first SEC win. Kentucky's coming off the 29-13 loss at Auburn last week. Uh, Ole Miss lost uh, Lane Kiffin's debut at home to Florida, 51-35. My guest today, Parrish Alford of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, uh, who will give us a scouting report on the Rebels, and then Josh Moore, my colleague at the Herald Leader, who will give us a scouting report on Kentucky heading into the game on Saturday. So let's get right to it first with Parrish Offord and then with Josh Moore. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Parrish Offord of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Parrish covers all of Ole Miss athletics, football, basketball, you name it. Uh, how you doing today, Parrish? I'm doing fine, John. Thanks. How are things in Mississippi? What's the weather like down there? I know the game's up here, but what's the weather like down there? Well, you know, it's a little cooler, and uh, and we're enjoying that. Uh, and it's just so <laughs> odd, you know, the the first game being uh, last Saturday. I, I'm walking into the stadium. Of course, it all looks different. I'm thinking, man, it's supposed to be 110 degrees right now, but it's not. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's cool here too. I think it's going to be cool Saturday. Uh, it's in the 60s here, and I think it's it's about what it's going to be on uh, Saturday for a 4 o'clock start between UK and Ole Miss. Uh, for, we're going to talk uh, We're going to talk back and forth. Uh, Parrish is going to ask me a few questions on UK, but first I'm going to ask him some questions about Ole Miss. Obviously, Lane Kiffin is the new coach at Ole Miss. Let's start off with what, what's the level of excitement going into this season, COVID and all that stuff aside, just the level of excitement having Lane Kiffin as the coach, and what what were the expectations for Ole Miss coming into the season. I think there was real excitement uh, for the Lane Kiffin hire. And and it was just the debut was so long in coming that some of that had kind of leveled off a little bit. I think people had COVID fatigue and, and just uh, some of the other things going on this summer, but uh, you know, still a lot of excitement for uh, Kiffin and the potential they feel like he brings with the offense and, you know, and, and that excitement was validated with the offense against Florida, but uh, as good as the offense was, the defense was suspect. And so you're just kind of back at that, you know, are, are you going to have to outscore everybody to, to win games? But uh, lots of excitement for, for Lane Kiffin, and he showed some uh, creativity uh, coaching in the first game, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver pass. Uh, he had uh, Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley who, or the two contenders in the quarterback competition had them on the field at the same time early in the game, but not often. But uh, just some things like that that uh, you think you're going to see 
uh, some out of the box things from a Lane Kiffin offense. Yeah, well, let's talk about the the Ole Miss Open with a fifty one thirty five loss to Florida at home uh, in Lane Kiffin's debut. Was it a surprise uh, that Corral, who's more of the passer, I believe, uh, than Plumley, who's a really good runner, was it a surprise that Corral was the starting quarterback, or is that what you all figured all along? Well, it was not a surprise. Early in camp, uh, you know, there was, well, number one, there was very little information that trickled out, but uh, Kiffin just kind of let it be known that uh, Corral was kind of trending up in that competition. And just on the surface, looking at it, uh, when you had Plumley and Corral last year for Ole Miss, you know, uh, Plumley was the runner and Corral was labeled the passing quarterback. Well, uh, that worked in a Rich Rodriguez offense that uh, ran the ball. 62, 63% of the time last year, as the Rebels did, uh, you would believe that uh, Kiffin would be more diverse uh, in his play calling, his offense. And, and uh, number one, he didn't call the plays. That was uh, Jeff Levy, uh, the offensive coordinator uh, hired from uh, UCF. But, uh, you know, you would think that the passing quarterback would be more attractive. Uh, you've got to involve the receivers, and Corral does a better job of that. Uh, Elijah Moore had a big game against Florida. And look, the question moving forward is going to be, you know, how do they use a tremendous athlete like John Rice Plumley? And, uh, you know, we're just we're all kind of waiting to see how that uh, how that evolves. Yeah, you, and you mentioned Elijah Moore. You know, and watching the Florida game, yeah, I was really impressed with him. Uh, and Kentucky had their problems last week with uh, Seth Williams of Auburn. Uh, just talk a little bit about Moore and what kind of receiver he is and, and what he's done there at Ole Miss. Well, he's a slot guy, and uh, he's fast and physical. And, you know, it became, uh, you know, it was really odd last year. The times they did pass, it was almost like Elijah Moore or bust. Really? You know, they they threw some passes uh, to some backs out of the backfield. But, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, for a, a group of receivers that, you know, on paper looked like pretty good recruits, guys who were, were recruited to a passing offense at Ole Miss under Phil Longo, before Rich Rodriguez was hired, you know, you, you thought they would uh, impact the game more, and they, and they just really didn't. And uh, then we started hearing uh, in camp uh, Kiffin talking about we really need to develop depth at receiver. And, it, you know, I just find it kind of odd because, I, you know, I, I know the bodies that are there and, and uh, how these guys were recruited. But, uh, you know, th- right now they were very comfortable just throwing to Elijah Moore. You know, in the fourth quarter, they threw to the tight end some. And uh, and I should say in the first half, the secondary receiver uh, had two catches, Dontario Drummond, and both were for touchdowns. But beyond that, they just went to more just as much as they could. Now, I would ask you to tell me a little bit, please, about uh, about the Kentucky secondary. I mean, I you know, I didn't get to see the Auburn game, but uh, it looks like Bo Nix was, uh, was very efficient. Uh, no, no interceptions, three touchdowns, 16 for 27. Uh, what did you think of uh, Kentucky uh, against the pass? Well, you know, coming into last year, the secondary was a big question mark because they lost quite a bit out of their secondary. Uh, Lonnie Johnson and Mike Edwards were both taken in the NFL draft. So they had a real young secondary last year. But by the end of the year, the secondary had played really well, and they got a lot of guys experienced last year. A lot of young guys got a lot of playing time. They were able to move in different guys into different spots. And by the end of the year, they ended up being the number two pass defense in the country but a lot of that had to do with uh, they played a lot of rain games last year and they played teams that were not exactly throwing teams and Kentucky ran a ball control offense but still 
going into this year, there was a lot of uh, uh, praise for the secondary. They felt like they were going to have a really good secondary. They also added Kelvin Joseph, a transfer from LSU, who set out last year. But, they, yeah, they had their problems with Auburn. Specifically, they had their problems with Seth Williams, who made a couple of incredible catches, one in the end zone where he took the ball right off of Kelvin Joseph's back for a touchdown. And, obviously, not every team has a Seth Williams who can really catch those 50-50 balls and the contested balls. Uh, but in talking to Mark Stoops after the game – and then when we talked to him Monday uh, in his press conference, which we are doing by Zoom, I assume you guys are doing something similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yes. said the secondary, you know, they do need to play better. The defense needs to play better. So um, I think uh, you know it's another challenge facing a, a passing offense, well schemed by uh, Lane Kiffin, and uh, you mentioned the offensive coordinator there, Levy, and uh, and a receiver like Elijah Moore. They'll have their hands full again on Saturday. Well, tell me a little bit, please, about uh, Terry Wilson. Did did Kentucky throw the ball more against Auburn, or did I imagine that? I, I, I know they were really run heavy with Lynn Bowden last year. Yeah, they threw the ball quite a bit. Uh, part of that was because they got behind uh, and they were playing catch-up. And Part of that was is that they wanted they want to be a more balanced offense this year. They threw the ball hardly at all, especially down the stretch with Lynn Bowden as the quarterback. Uh, Terry can throw the ball. He had some good throws, um, but he also threw an interception down on the goal line, which really hurt, and he lost the ball in a fumble in the fourth qu- early in the fourth quarter, which kind of was kind of a five-minute stretch, which took a two-point game into a 16-point game. And part of that, as Terry mentioned after the game, is the first time he'd been hit uh, since early last September, actually hit in a game because he tore his patella tendon last year in the second game and missed the rest of the year. Mark Stoops keeps saying, he said after the game, and he said when we talked to him again on Monday that Terry did a lot of things that they can build on, uh, but they do want to throw the ball. They still want to be a running football team, but they want to be more balanced and be able to throw the ball more. Well, if uh, the opener was an indication for Ole Miss, he won't have to worry about getting hit too much. Uh, (laughs) Well, what about the Ole Miss? What about the Ole Miss defense? Yeah, I would say, John, that – that there were some real struggles there uh, to cover Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, just uh, pass coverage in general. And, and, you know, they gave up uh, 416 yards to Kyle Trask, passing yards and six touchdowns. And, look, Trask is a good quarterback. We get that, uh, you know, and certainly Pitts is a dynamic tight end. But uh, I just thought there were coverage issues, particularly uh, uh, with the safeties. You know, in all of that, in all of that uh, just mass of Florida offense, I thought Ole Miss cornerbacks had some nice individual plays along the way. Uh, The Rebels had a hard time getting off the field on third downs when they forced them. Uh, Kentucky was six for 10 on third downs. Ole Miss forced four third downs on Florida's first possession and just never could get off the field. So that's, uh, that's been a point of emphasis this week. I'm interested to see uh, how they will respond to a team that I think still prefers to uh, try and line up behind that offensive line. looks like a lot of experience there and run it downhill. Um, I thought against the Gators that, uh, you know, Ole Miss kind of held its own in the run defense at times. So they, they gave up a 50 yard run uh, where uh, uh, a guy got to the second level pretty quick and there were a missed tackle or two. But uh, I thought, by and large, just, uh, you know, when Florida tried to run it straight at Ole Miss, I thought the Rebels responded there fairly well. We didn't uh, really know what to expect from this Ole Miss defense. And, uh, you know, uh, 
bottom line is they, they really did not play well against Florida. Well, I, don't, well, I know DJ Durkin, right? He's the new defensive coordinator or co-defensive coordinator. He's a Youngstown mm-hmm. guy, just like Mark Stoops. I know the two know each other and are friendly. In fact, I think when Durkin was at Maryland, he ended up hiring a couple of uh, former Stoops assistants at Kentucky. What kind of defense does DJ want to run there uh, as far as like scheme and so forth? A pretty aggressive defense or is he more likely to sit back and make the offenses make mistakes? Well, I, I think he's going to try to be aggressive. Now, I you know, we – when we asked about defense uh, in the off season, you know, it was like we were asking for nuclear launch codes, man. And they just <laughs> did not want to talk anything about scheme or, or anything like that. And all we kept hearing was multiple, multiple, multiple. Well, you know, everybody's multiple after right. the first snap, you know, but I, the base looks like a, a four, two, five, you know, I, I think they were calling it a four, three at the beginning, but that third linebacker really kind of plays like a defensive back. So, uh, you know, that, that's kind of, uh, what it looks like. And, uh, it, it was just, I'll, I'll just tell you, John, uh, Florida had 11 possessions in the game and nine of them ended with points. Really? I mean, so, so it was really, it was really hard to get a feel for what this defense is good at, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, right. I mean, they, they really, I mean, I know that, I know that they will get better. I believe they'll get better. Uh, but, you know, I think they'll put some pressure. Sam Williams, uh, defensive end, had a sack in the game and, you know, got back there a little bit. But uh, by and large, uh, you know, they just did not move uh, Trask off of his spot, did not make him uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, I, to me, uh, you know, we're still trying to figure out this Ole Miss defense. I don't think they will be as bad as they looked every game uh, as they looked against Florida. Yeah. Okay, uh, what about special teams? What, uh, what what can we look for as far as the Ole Miss in the kicking game? Well, uh, you know, pretty good punter in Mac Brown. You know, he had a nice day uh, against Florida. Really a struggle in place kicking. And uh, Luke Logan is a guy who, <clears throat> as a sophomore two years ago, you know, hit on about 80% of his field goals. He was pretty consistent from uh, – you know, inside of 40 yards, and they just didn't kick a lot of long ones. That was two years ago. Last year, you know, he was barely over 50%. You know, he had the whole offseason to think about that missed extra point in the Egg Bowl that was a 35-yard extra point after the penalty. Um, You know, he had one attempt uh, in the game against Florida, and it was just ugly. It was a 42-yard attempt, and it just didn't – didn't strike it well, and, you know, I, they called it wide right, and it, if it was wide right, it just barely had the distance. It just was an ugly kick. I thought it was interesting on the first possession for Ole Miss, just a very impressive drive, several big plays, and they move the ball down, and all of a sudden they are at uh, at the Florida 18 on fourth down, and uh, Lane Kiffin chose to go for it on fourth and three as opposed to – trying to take what would be what points would be, you know, fairly, uh, you know, a fairly given field goal for a lot of teams uh, talking with him about that later. He said, well, that was analytics. You know, we're, we're following the analytics and that's what the book says. So he indicated that it did not have to do with confidence in Luke Logan, his kicker, but uh, Logan's struggling right now. So, uh, you know, if it comes down to a field goal game, that's not going to, you know, bode well for Ole Miss. Yeah, for Kentucky, uh, Matt Ruffalo won the kicking job in camp. He and uh, uh, Chance Poor went back and forth during the uh, 
during camp and during last year. Porce got the better leg. You'll see him on kickoffs. Ruffalo has been a little more consistent. That's what won the job for him. Max Duffy is the UK punter. He was uh, won a lot of awards last year for being the best punter in the nation. Uh, he's more of a rugby-style kicker. He's good at placing the ball. Uh, he tried a fake punt against Auburn, which didn't work. Uh, it was a recall. Mark Stoops took the blame for that. He said they had had it called on the previous possession, but they didn't get the read they wanted, and he neglected to call it off on the next possession and that Duffy shouldn't have tried for the first down. He needed five yards. He ended up losing three. So I don't think we're going to – I don't think Ole Miss is going to have to worry about a fake punt. I don't think they're going to try that again uh, <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, Paris, before we wrap this up here, let's talk keys. What what, what are you uh, – what are the keys you think for Ole Miss on Saturday? I think Ole Miss needs a, a big game from Sam Williams on defense or someone who can get in the backfield and, and just create havoc and finish plays, make a tackle behind the line, you know, uh, get uh, uh, Wilson off his spot. Am I saying that right? I don't have the roster, Johnson. Terry Wilson? Yes, Terry Wilson. Okay, okay. I'm, I want to make sure. Get him <laughs> off his spot. Get get him uncomfortable when they do choose to throw. And, uh, you know, that that's going to be, uh, you know, something. But they've got to win battles at the, you know, in and around the line of scrimmage. And I like the Ole Miss linebackers. I think they have a shot to do that. But it uh, looks like Kentucky's uh, offensive line is very experienced. So that that's going to be a good matchup as well. Can Kentucky uh, run the ball and be a ball control offense? You know, Ole Miss will try to run the ball too, and they've got some, uh, you know, they're pretty deep at running back. Yeah, I think no, I think Kentucky will try to run the ball. The big key for Kentucky is going to be staying away from the mistakes they made at Auburn. They lost a turnover battle three to three to nothing. They had two fumbles and an interception. They had a holding call that uh, they killed the drive where they were down on about the Auburn twenty-two yard line that brought it back and the drive fizzled. Uh, and, and like I mentioned, the fake punt uh, hurt them. They can't make those kind of, with the ten game all SEC schedule. You just can't you just can't make those mistakes. You can't lose the turnover battle no matter who. You're you're playing three to nothing and, and expect to win. So they say that uh, teams make their most improvement between week one and week two. So we'll see who makes the most improvement on Saturday, Kentucky or Ole Miss. That's right. Well, Parrish, tell, uh, tell the listeners how they can follow your work uh, leading up to the game and through the game on Saturday. Well, they can find uh, lots of Ole Miss coverage at djournal.com, and they can find me on Facebook in Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, lots of links and lots of uh, discussion in that group. I have to check that out. That's good. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV or follow our all our coverage on Kentucky.com. Parrish, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks a lot, John. It was fun. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Okay, my guest now on the podcast is uh, Josh Moore, UK football beat writer. How's it going, Josh? I'm pretty good, John. It's uh, you know, I'm excited to get this first game at Kroger Field out of the way. Yeah, we got a home game. Yeah, I got a home game. Here it is, what October third. Finally got a home game. (laughs) So yeah, and unlike Auburn, we we will be there. We'll be in the press box, or at least some of us will. Yeah. Yeah, that's what um, you know. We talked some about it last week, you know, about not going to to Auburn, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what it looks like. I got I went to Marshall a few weeks ago, and, and when they hosted Eastern Kentucky, and got to see a little bit what that looked like. But you know, you know Marshall and UK, that's a couple of different beasts as far as the size of press box and how many people are interested in in coming to the game and covering it so it'll be it'll be cool to see what what uk does this weekend with us how many people were in the press box at marshall for that one? Oh, counting counting like statisticians and, and, and team staff it was probably 10 15 oh. i mean it wasn't that many people that's what i'm saying i mean like i mean just from uk's just stats and info people you're talking 15 20 people yeah, um, right. probably you know for for mode for a normal home game. So you know, yeah, it's gonna be a lot different. I think this weekend. Yeah, I went to Louisville Western, uh, their Cardinal Stadium, and they had I think twenty people on the uh, seating chart, but that included the U of L people, uh, their staff members. I don't their their stat people. I guess they sit up there. I don't know. I didn't really look, but uh, yeah, there weren't there were many people. We were all spaced out. You had like two empty seats on either side of you. So I don't know if that's going to be the way it is Saturday at uh, Kroger Field or, or not. I know they're not giving as many credentials as they normally give. Yeah, at, uh, at Marshall it was – I had three seats between me and the nearest person. That was uh, right. Nathan from the Richmond newspaper. Okay. Um, so it was, uh, you know, pretty – you had a lot of leg room, which is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of leg room, a lot of elbow room. Okay, so we got uh, Kentucky and Ole Miss, both teams 0-1, uh, coming into this game, the second game of the season. Uh, Josh, what about the Auburn game? I know I know you picked Kentucky to win, and we were talking uh, before we got started here. I think I mentioned it on Monday in my column. I mean, I think if you take out the turnovers, that's the big if, of course. If you take out the turnovers and mistakes, you could make the case that Kentucky was the better team, or at least that they were even with Auburn. What 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 were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, John. I think um you know if you I've not went back and looked at the, the, the game again on T V and you know, but watching it, you know, especially in the first half it seemed like it was if you take away that it's even that I mean, again, it's a mistake though that that two point conversion they give up. I mean, they had so even if they don't get that touchdown like they you know at the end of the half that they didn't get, they're still got the lead you know going into the into the break and then you just you just wonder, you know it it you know again like you said a you know big ifs but if even you take away half of those mistakes, what that game ends up looking like um, for Kentucky. I mean, so many times they get into. Auburn territory deep into it and come away with no points or, you know, giving the ball away. It's just, uh, you know, it's frustrating. I mean, I definitely, if you're a fan, I, I understand the frustration. Um, now what I don't really get so much is the people that just assume <laughs> because that first game, um, in a weird year, um, was indicative of how the whole season is going to be. I, I, you know, I surely don't think that's the case. I, you know, I, I think you have to, you know, you honestly, I don't know if there's ever going to be a point this year where you can really say 
this is exactly what this team is going to be like because, uh, you know, you're just going to have so many unknowns week to week because you could figure out your identity three games from now and then have half the team sitting out because of COVID. So it kind of, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. There's no doubt about that. Um, what do you think, how, Terry Wilson, his first game back from uh, <clears throat> after missing most almost all of last year, first game back for live action from the Patello tendon, how, how did you think he played overall? I thought he was okay. I think he played, you know, again, without the turnovers, I think he played well enough for them to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, I mean, the, the fumble is probably, you know, everybody, the interception is the most glaring thing just because that whole moment was so screwed up. Um, right. And and, it, and the time, you know, the game where it happened, uh, you know, being right before half, obviously it's easy to remember. But the fumble to me was the worst thing. I just don't, yeah. you can't lose the ball there. I mean, that's just indecisiveness that leads to something like that. Because he, he wasn't touched. I mean, he just right. drops the ball. Right. And you trying to make a play, I guess. You know, kind of looking, you know, remembering kind of what happened there. You know, I'm not even sure what he – why he was even spinning, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that he, is what it is. Yeah. He was definitely loose with the ball. I mean, it, and watching it live on TV and then go back and watch it. Yeah. He didn't have secure <clears throat> the football. Uh, of course, now Mark Stoops and Eddie Grant said it yesterday. He didn't follow his block on that play. He didn't make the read right. exactly right. They seemed to be upset about that. Of course, they were upset about the fumble. And then the play down on the goal line where he threw the interception right before half. Watching it live, I thought, you know, that was just a dumb play. You know, you got he threw it right into traffic. You got to throw the ball away there, take the field goal, be happy to take the field goal, get the points before halftime. But as Mark Stoops pointed out, uh, they had a receiver run a wrong route, so therefore he drug a uh, an, an extra defender into the play. He said it wasn't really Terry's fault, and Eddie Grant said the same thing yesterday. And then Josh Ali pretty much admitted he was the one who ran the wrong route, that he should have been in the back of the end zone. So still, you know, it wasn't Terry's fault. I still contend that Terry should have thrown the ball away. He should have still seen the traffic, but uh, uh, but I, I, it, the coaches claim that it wasn't all Terry's fault on that play. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and I get the defense, and you know, I have no reason not to believe that that's how it happened, and, and right. that's why. Um, but still, yeah, you still gotta kind of see that, I would think, and and know that, you know, because it was it wasn't like it was a long throw. I mean, it was it was a pretty quick throw, right? You know, into into that vicinity. Those guys are kind of all there when you make that throw, or pretty close to it. Yeah, just throw the ball away and get the, you know, <laughs> you get the you know, opportunity to do something still, you know, it's just, you know, it's frustrating. Um, you know, there's plenty of frustrating things, you know, the Upshaw uh, penalty, the, the Kelvin Joseph's penalty early, you know, like there's like that one doesn't get talked. It hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but that's, that probably gives you, you know, that, that what well, they were like second and they would have been like second and 17 or something. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I've, yeah. That's kind of gotten overlooked and all the other stuff going on. So it's just a, you know, a lot of messy stuff that, you know, you can survive. You could have survived half of probably um, and, and still been in the game. But when it's eight, nine things that, you know, all add up and Auburn, for the most part, played the perfect game and they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't do anything, um, you know, too silly to get themselves backed up. And, you know, that's when, when, when the other side is as good as they are and, and not messing themselves up and you're messing yourselves right. up, right. you know, every, every third play. Every fourth play, it, it adds up and makes it really hard for you. 
Right. No. Yeah. No doubt. I thought that could, like some of the stuff that Kentucky did, like not being ready for that swinging gate play on the on the um, uh, extra point. I mean, it's kind of like first game. It's hard to get prepared for that sort of stuff. But Auburn executed all this stuff. I was a little surprised when Josh Ali was asked last night. We're recording this on Wednesday, and we talked to the offense last night via Zoom. Ali was asked about Auburn's pooch punts, and he said that they weren't really prepared for that. Uh, when on the broadcast, anyway, I think they talked about that Auburn had done that in the past with Bo Nix. Uh, and twice they pinned, I think, I think it was twice they pinned Kentucky down deep with pooch punts that Kentucky, you know, didn't apparently, I guess, was not ready for. I was a little surprised. And and maybe Josh, you know, he says that, but the coaches will tell you something different. I don't know. But I was a little surprised by that. I, I was I mean, the same reaction you did last night to that. I was like, I kind of raised an eyebrow. I was like, yeah. even if you didn't, I, I, what surprised me is so much is even if you weren't, ready for that was admitting that you weren't ready yeah. for that that's, you know that's not a thing to hear a whole lot um at, at this point i think again even if you weren't say you, that first time you saw it was the first time you saw it and you never talked about it all week um surely the second time when they did it you would know that it was coming right. you know or, or right. could be happening and it's tough i get that that's tough to defend because if you send the guys back then he's got a little bit more room to maybe throw the ball instead of uh, kicking it, true. trying to get that. That's true. Tough to cover. But, but you got it at this level. I think. Yeah. I mean, I was watching Walker Wood do that in that Lafayette five years ago. I mean, it's like, you know, kind of, no, you don't see that. All. No, you don't. Yeah, but it. Yeah, it's like it's not like it's never been done before. So. uh what about the running backs? You asked Eddie Grand last night. Uh, I think you followed up on somebody else's question about the running backs, and apparently the fans are not real happy about the, with the running back rotation. What, what do you think? What's going on there? I don't – and I asked that from a place of really, I guess, being on Eddie's side with it. Right. Because um, I don't I don't see the, the issue as far as, like, how the snaps are distributed, I guess, that the fans get. I mean, I get, like, Cavassier – has like a, you know, his like yards per carry is, is the most on a team or whatever. Um, yeah, but that's also situational. Like, you know, it's, 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 we, I don't know enough about what they're trying to do, um, with each of those guys as far as like what they, the, the situations they handle best. Um, but I know it seems like, you know, throughout practice, they were talking about a lot about pass blocking and, and some guys, you know, being better at it than others. And I think you can kind of take that. I mean, the AJ, you know, based on how many catches he caught in the first game and just how many catches he's caught in his career compared to the other guys, that he's probably the best weapon out of the backfield as far as, you know, most versatile, like what you can do with him as a rusher and as a as a catcher. And, I mean, I think he had – I think he and maybe a he and Akeem. No, Akeem had two receptions, I think. A.J. was high on the receptions list. I know Ali led the team. I'm pretty sure – AJ was second or third. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, I think that's right. Um, and you know that's that's partly you know because he's a good he's good in space and can catch those balls and and you know it's pretty you know reads those screens really well and and then you know I think some of it I mean some of it's like if if Rodriguez gets that touchdown or you know or, then you're not it's just you, the whole talk about it I think is different depending on how that call goes right. but also I get the frustration about you know not just keeping it and, and pounding it again with him there too. Um, so that kind of stuff I get, but like I had an email, <laughs> I haven't told you about this. I got an email from a guy uh, Monday 
saying that Chris Rodriguez is better than Benny Snell. And, and, and just, I mean, I don't know what people are watching. I mean, I like Chris Rodriguez. I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be a really, really good player here at Kentucky, but uh, slow down, y'all. Like, (laughs) if memory serves, I think Benny Snell rushed for like a hundred yards, like the first game that he played in, which was not until like the third game of the season. So, uh, and I think Chris has had some opportunities too. I'm like you. I, I think Chris is a good back, and maybe if you had just a one back offense, he would get. And he was the guy. He would get those yards. But uh, they obviously they got three backs, and I, I think too it's a different season. You're going through a ten game SEC season. You want to keep those guys healthy. If you just have one guy as your bell cow, I'm not sure you're going to make it through this season. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't quite get that. With the, I thought they got away from the run a little too much. Now I think they got behind, obviously, and I think they felt like they could exploit Auburn a little bit in their secondary. And um, but I thought, but you know, it, the circumstances always in a change in a game like that. So let, let's switch over to the defense briefly before we start talking about Ole Miss. How do you think the defense played? Yeah, I thought they were good. I mean, I don't, you know, the, the secondary. I mean, mentioned Joseph there and. And, you know, I, he's kind of the guy that I think has been singled out because of that penalty, but also, you know, he's the guy that kind of Seth Williams ate for lunch, right. um, you know, a few times there. But you overall, I think you can be pretty happy with, with how they performed. I think the um, you know, probably could have gotten more of a pass rush, although, you know, it, it's easy to say that because, you know, he Nick's wasn't dropping down every four or five plays, but. You know, he also was <laughs> he was also pretty evasive. I mean, yeah. there were a few they had a few chances for um sacks that turned into big plays for Auburn. Right. Um and then and, and that's you know, on the you know, other levels of the defense. That's not something because that's you know you want to get the sacks, but it's not really the you're really just trying to make him do something, you know, make him uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know, those guys that you know, pass were played really well. Seemed like the whole you know, seemed like the whole front really kinda gave you what they what you expected them to give uh, that tackle? You know, I think if they'd won, I think the play of the game would have been that DeAndre Square tackle. Uh-huh. Uh, On the fourth I don't down. remember. Yeah, it was a fourth down. Like what, fourth and two, fourth and one, something like that. Right. And and just, I mean, just manhandles that dude. Right. Uh, that's probably your play of the game, just because you're, you know, because if you're if you're Kentucky and you win that game, it's probably like a twenty, you know, twenty to eight you know, finish or 20 to 15, you know, it's a really low scoring game mm-hmm. and, and you want it, you know, with your defense and your ball control. And, and that's kind of, that play would have been emblematic of that. And um, as it is, it's just a, you know, it's a really nice highlight piece for, for squares film next fall or next to spring. Right. Okay. Got Ole Miss coming in on Saturday. Uh, Ole Miss lost their opener to Florida, 51-35. Lane Kiffin's first game as the Ole Miss coach. If you're Kentucky matching up with Ole Miss, what, what, what worries you the most about this game? Well, the, I mean, their quarterback played really well, to yeah. say the least. Um, and that's not, you know, I mean, UK's seen good quarterbacks and they've, they've played well against good quarterbacks last year, especially. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't remember what Nick's finished with, but, but, but they, you know, last season were really strong against, you know, they didn't give up 200 yards passing very often. No, um, second in the country in yard in uh, it, passing yards allowed, and you know that's something that they obviously have to, you know. I mean, if 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 Ole Miss throws for 400 yards like they did last week, 
it's going it's hard for me to see Kentucky keeping up with that um and I you know that's that's obviously going to be the biggest I think that's the biggest thing is just keeping their quarterback in check and they've got really good receivers they've got guys that, that his his name you know no one's really talking about Ely as much they're running back but he's the right. guy that was you know kind of on the fringes of the all SEC there I mean just had a um you know, and he had a good game. I mean, he just yeah. kind of got over by the by the other stuff that they did. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're equipped, and Lane Kiffin obviously is a really you know good offensive mind, and and they're going to be ready to come in here and you know they they're basically in the role of Kentucky. I know you know Kentucky lost, but they're really you know they're the underdogs. They I think they what they Kentucky was a six point favorite or seven point favorite yeah. open. You know where it's went, but. But you know, it's very much the flip of last week, except Kentucky's the favorite, yeah. um, and they play like it. They play because again, they played well enough last week to win, outside of those mistakes. And I think that's the biggest key is just to come in here and 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 you know, don't screw up right. or screw screw up a lot less. Because yeah, because <laughs> guess what? Because Auburn, you know, they weren't able to, to take advantage as fast of those mistakes because they. I mean, I think officially they finished with like seven points off turnovers, but if you count the, the fumble and the, or if you count the, the, the like, fourth down yeah. run there, the fake punt, and, and you know, because those aren't official turnovers, but, the, but they're, te- you know, in my mind they're turnovers, right? You know, so they got points off those plays, but I mean, Ole Miss, I, I feel like if, if, if you're putting them at the forty, you know, because you 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 do something dumb, um, they're going to capitalize, right. and then you. Can't give you need to give them as few chances as possible to have those short fields and 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 make life a little harder for for uh, them and, and Costello and and everything else or yeah. Corral sorry yeah Corral Costello's yeah Costello is the next week <laughs> Kentucky have to worry about Mike Leach and uh, KJ Costello the next week they got their hands full this week that's true no yeah and it, it, you know it's a big game big game for both teams and neither one of them wants to be zero and two after two games. When you got eight more SEC games to go, that's for sure. Uh, before I let you go, we need to wrap this up. But before I let you go, Josh, I know you're an NBA guy. You love the NBA. We got the finals starting tonight as we record this. So I want to get you on record. Who's eating Lakers? Who's who's your pick? Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. I'm a big. I'm I'm a LeBron guy. Oh, I, I forgot you. Yeah, I know you're a big Cavaliers guy, LeBron. Even but he left. He left Cleveland. That's fine. We got the championship. That's a uh, you know it's it's a uh, you know it's great. I, I I think it's a pretty good matchup. I think uh, I think Lakers in six. I, I kind of want to almost want to say seven, but I think six. I just think you know I think the Heat are a better team. Is you know and like is, at least they're built like a you know, a better team overall. Um, but Davis is just on another level. I think LeBron's the favorite to win Finals MVP, but. To me, I don't really understand why that's not Davis. Yeah. I just because um, to me, he's the guy that's going to win the series. I mean, LeBron's going to be awesome, you know, but 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 Davis is the difference maker yeah. there you know, in that matchup. Um, Bam, I think. I mean, Bam's the, probably one of the biggest stories coming out of this whole playoff, though. Is oh yeah, because he was you know he was well regarded. He was an all star, but he's really just gone to another level and really. Um, you know, if there is a face of that team, you know, I guess you know Butler personality wise is the is Miami's kind of lead dog, but really Bam is kind of encapsulates everything they want to do as a franchise. Um, and obviously Hero, it's exciting. I mean, there's 
there's a lot of you know, it's a fun matchup. I'm excited for it. I hate I hate these nine o'clock starts. I wish they'd start at eight o'clock, right. um, but I know it's they got to do that for the L.A. market. But right. no, no, I think yeah. it's a great I think it's a great match. I've watched quite a bit of it. I think the bubble's been great. I think the uh, I think it's a really good matchup. I've you know the Heat. I've I like the way they play. They play as a team. I'm like you. I think overall they're probably the better team. Uh, but I would, you know, they don't have that experience of being in the finals like LeBron has. And obviously Davis wants to win a title. Uh, Lakers have more veteran guys. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But it, it should be, you know, it's a good matchup. It should be it should be fun to watch. Uh, well, I'm I like you, that- 9 o'clock is getting pretty close to my bedtime. But, uh, uh, but uh, no, it should be fun to watch. And, and I think that, I mean, yeah, the bubble's been awesome. I think the neutral side element has a lot to do with that. Um, yeah. And I know that they'll, they'll never go to like a permanent like bubble top situation or or anything. But, but I do think, depending on how the finals go, I do think there's a case to be made for in the future. Like, if you know, take the finals on the road. Like, you know, make it, a, you know, go to Las Vegas or Seattle or wherever, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, you go hang out in Orlando for a, a you know a week and do yeah. the finals that way. Um, I think that's a, that would be an interesting thing for the NBA floor because uh, yeah. it's a you know guess what if if this if this matchup if it were being played in Orlando but with fans you'd sell out every game. Oh, I yeah. mean that's just yeah people like you go down there and make a big a bacon event of it. Because yeah. I think most people I think you know there are. NBA fans who are fans of teams, you know, um, but, but there, I think most of them are like me where like, okay, I'm a Cavs fan. I say I'm a Cavs fan, but I watch, I've watched, I've watched a lot more of every, almost every other team than I did the Cavs this year. I think I watched like five or six Cavs games start to finish this year. Yeah. I think most people, you know, who are NBA, I think most NBA fans are fans of the league. Right. No, I, I think that's As, true. I so think I that's think true. That, where more college basketball, or you're you're a regional fan, you're a fan of the team you follow, mm-hmm. maybe some few other teams, but that's about it. Okay, let's get back to football. Uh, we'll we get the game on Saturday. We will be there. It's four o'clock start, right? It's not. It's a four o'clock start on the SEC network. Uh, Josh, anything you're working on or anything? Uh, I mean, everybody should check out all your work. But is there anything in particular you want to point people to? Yeah, I'll have the predict- predictions out. Uh, again this week that's always something that people seem to enjoy the uh i've got a story um, i'm actually going to try start transcribing it after i get off here with you um i think it's a it's a pretty cool story it's about a fan um who will be at this week's game and that's all i'm going to say about it but okay pretty good i think it's pretty good i think it's it's, i think people will like it a lot okay well be sure and look for that and josh uh, people follow josh on twitter at josh moore hl Follow, cover, uh, follow all his work at Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Arrow Leader. Josh, as always, appreciate you being on the uh, podcast, and I'll see you in the press box on Saturday. Yes, sir. Thanks, John. I can't wait. It's going to be nice to uh, <laughs> see some faces. Yeah, if we get yeah. to see some other media faces. We haven't seen those guys either. So, yeah. I would uh, say they're all uh, they're all uh, just digitized every time yeah, anytime right. I've seen it. Just Zoom. We've only seen their Zoom faces, so. <laughs> All right, Josh. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, John. 
Okay, thanks a lot to my guest, uh, Parrish Offord of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Be sure and check out of all of uh, Parrish's work uh, and my friend Josh Moore. Be sure and check him out at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Uh, thanks to everybody who listens to these podcasts. You can find these podcasts on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, just about any place you can get your podcast, you can find them. We appreciate it. Give us a rating and review on the podcast when you can on Apple Podcasts and others. That really helps spread the word and get the, the word out about the podcast. I had a podcast earlier in the week with Mark Story where we reviewed the uh, Auburn game and looked ahead to Ole Miss. And I had a podcast where John Calipari held a Zoom conference to talk about the NBA Finals and the big Kentucky presence in the NBA Finals. Uh, I turned that into a podcast as well. Uh, it, Guy, a lot of interesting things to say about the players, about his former players in that one, if you want to check that out. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Uh, if you'd like to consider supporting our work, you can get a digital subscription to Kentucky.com. You can get a sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com for just $30. You get all of our sports coverage, including UK football, UK basketball, UK recruiting, high schools. You get it all, $30 for the first year. Be sure and check that out. Go to Kentucky.com, hit that subscribe button, check out all the offers uh, for a digital subscription to Kentucky.com. You can reach me on, you reach me by email at jclay at herald-leader.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, John Clay IV. We'll have a podcast again with Mark Story uh, on Sunday night or Monday morning reviewing the Ole Miss game. We have plenty of coverage from the Ole Miss game, including live updates. We'll be tweeting throughout the game. Uh, be sure and follow us there. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. We'll be talking to you again soon.